TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Uh, we bring in Dave Lennon from Newsday. Baseball cover, uh, columnist covers both teams. And uh, Dave, uh, welcome to the program. Hey, Laurie. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Um, so... How would you describe the position of where the Yankees find themselves right now post-trade deadline? Well, I mean, it, it, it's tough to be optimistic as much as they've talked about it. And Aaron Boone, as we know, is, is an eternally optimistic guy, uh, relentlessly optimistic even, and, and talking about, you know, the strengths and reasons to be encouraged. And, you know, that they're... I just keep going back to when I talk about the Yankees and, and I say, if you look at that team on paper uh, and the names that are on that roster, uh, that should be a playoff team. Uh, if you just look at the, you know, the resumes and the names on it, you know, the way they've been performing uh, in real time is a much different story. I mean, I was just going through, you know, the wild card standings, you know, earlier today and looking at a, a couple of those things, you know, the Yankees are now falling to four and a half games out. And typically you would say, well, you know, to get to the third wild card spot, all they have to do is beat out Toronto and Seattle, which mm-hmm. at face value doesn't seem like a very difficult thing. And then you look at, you know, run differential for those teams and run differential could be a pretty good indication if you're dealing with a decent team or not, you know, and the Blue Jays are plus 56. The Mariners are plus 47. The Yankees are plus four. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. That's a pretty slim, slim margin there for a team you want to consider to be a quality team. And, you know, that's, that doesn't tell you the whole story, obviously. But when you're just doing kind of some general comparisons like that, and, and just the Yankees, as we know all season, just really haven't played well. You know, they've been incredibly inconsistent. And, and this was a very, you know, damaging, damaging week on a couple of different levels for them. You know, whether you're talking about Herman being lost for the season, you know, how he's performing is a different story. You know, it wasn't great at that point, uh, but he's now lost. That, that's a start of it that's gone. Anthony Rizzo is, is gone for the foreseeable future um, with his concussion situation. Um, Luis Severino on Friday was basically pitching himself into the bullpen. Uh, and then you have Carlos Rodon today, uh, who suffered a hamstring injury in addition to not pitching very well. So the rotation took quite a bit of hit. And then, you know, we, we, as we'll talk about, you know, they didn't do anything at the deadline either to make this team better. So I was writing about today that, you know, this was a very bumpy week for them, uh, a week where they, 
tried to continue to do damage control. And we're getting kind of late for that. You know, we're into the first week of August right here. They have a lot of ground to make up. And they have to start winning games and start playing some good baseball with only about 50 games left to do that. There is so much to unpack with <laughs> with what you just said. So we'll just we'll we'll break it apart. Uh, you mentioned Anthony Rizzo. And it would seem that that collision he had a couple months ago with Fernando Tatis Jr. may have right. led to a concussion that was not diagnosed that he didn't realize he had that he didn't complain about. But right. it's now been two months and his performance fell off a cliff. And so we heard what Rizzo had to say and we heard what Brian Cashman had to say. And I know these things are challenging, but how do you miss a concussion for two months? Is Or is, is there something the Yankees need to look at in in how they they assess players if you could miss something like this for two months well i mean i think as we know concussions are a very can be a very tricky thing to pin down Uh, you know the league has done a better job establishing establishing concussion uh protocols and you know rizzo was checked out you know immediately after that you know after that game um and had passed them and had done well uh throughout i mean they had tested him you know relatively shortly after he had you know had that collision uh with tatis's thigh like hit the side of his head and neck mm-hmm. uh against him um you know and then it was when he got a little bit further out from that that's when the performance started to fall that's when he was feeling very tired uh but still as he mentioned he just kind of chalked that up to you know, to something he needed to play through. He just thought being on the West Coast or the after effects of the West Coast. So I I think maybe the failure here and something that teams will probably look at going forward is when they see somebody's performance just go off a cliff like that, that I I wonder if it makes sense to have a more formal situation doing it almost on a weekly basis. You know, I I don't think the Yankees just kind of let him dangle and just didn't check in with him over the next two months see what was going on with him. Now, I guess they didn't give him the formal test that they did recently to see that he could be having this, you know, post-concussion or this kind of concussion cascade, as they talk about. Um, So I think there was a lot of give and take here that was probably missed. You know, could Rizzo maybe been a little more forthcoming on how he felt rather than kind of being the stoic fight through it um, as he was trying to do and as as he admitted he tried to do as a player who's fought through all kinds of different things, you know, whether it's ankle injuries, shoulder injuries, you know, these guys play through a lot. So they just, in concussions a lot of times, they'll figure that it's not anything different or not anything extreme that they have to worry about. And I think maybe somewhere in the middle there, you know, maybe there was some communication that could have been better. But I, I, I you know, I, I've seen a lot of concussion problems in the past. I've been around long enough. I saw how the, Mel, the Mets had the problem with Ryan Church. Uh, right. a number of years back, mm-hmm. which that was really a botched thing that messed him up for quite some time. David Wright, you know, had a big problem with concussions. Um, so I don't really think that falls into that category with Rizzo. Um, but I, I think going forward, you know, I think maybe teams and players have to be a little bit more alert into the communication and trying to figure out 
you know, especially when his performance, I mean, he was off to like an MVP season, you know, when he started this season. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, just went right off a cliff performance-wise. And you have to figure maybe there could be something going on with the player, especially when he had the incident that he had. You mentioned it being a challenging week for the Yankees, and it included Giancarlo Stanton uh, coming under scrutiny this weekend for um, being sent home and uh, one of the slower rounding of the bases and, and jogging into home plate <laughs> being thrown out that we've seen in a long time. And now it makes you think either Luis Rojas should be aware that Stanton is just not comfortable running the bases at anything close to full speed, um, or there's a lack of, you know, just a player uh, nervous about getting injured who is not going to run at full speed, and, and that's a bad look too. But whatever happened there, you know, what do you attribute it to and what do the Yankees do about about Stanton and, and that look moving forward? Yeah, I mean, that that can't happen. <laughs> you know, to me, when, when I saw that uh, play and I saw him running, I mean, my first inclination was that, that he'd hurt himself, right. you know, on, on uh, trying to score from that because it, it looked so out of whack. And the way he even pulled up at the end, I know the ball beat him by a lot, but the way he kind of pulled up and even slipped at the end and the way he slowed down, you know, I thought that was more than just protecting something. You know, I, I thought that was he had hurt himself coming around because I know Stanton, you know, we've seen him, you know, be cautious uh, and not really kind of busting at full speed. And I get that. He's had some hamstring problems. He's trying to be careful. They're trying to keep him in the lineup. They need his bat primarily. You know, I asked Boone before, you know, the game today and I said, you know, is he trying to protect something? You know, is he hurting from something now? Or is this just a mindset that he has to have going forward? And is it maybe something in the back of his mind that he can't get through, you know, mentally? And, and Boone just, you know, assured us that this is just the way he's trying to run in order to protect himself from getting hurt. But we saw him in the outfield today. He looks like he's getting to the balls just fine in the outfield. And I even saw in a couple of plays, I think he grounded out on one of the plays that I saw today, and he was running pretty good to first base. I saw the so, same things. Saw both yeah, of those plays so, you were describing and thought it was just bizarre in contrast to what we saw yesterday. So, I mean, I, I think it's been explained that he does just get a little bit more anxious, you know, when he's trying to score from second like that. But, you know, Lori, as we know, those are very important plays in a baseball game, you know, and I, I think that going forward – you know, that they need to have Louis Rojas at least be on the same page and say, listen, we got to hold this guy up. You know, we, we, we can't have these kind of plays happen. Uh, you know, it, it looked ridiculous. I it mean, he, he made Daniel, he made Daniel Vogelback look like Ricky Henderson uh, on that, on that trying to score from home there. So it's, uh, I doubt we'll see something like that again. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't, I didn't get a chance to ask Stanton today. I didn't see him to be able to ask that, Hey, you know, did you feel something in your hamstring? Did you feel something in your calf when you were coming around there? Um, because yeah, that that just that just didn't look normal. Yeah, no, he made uh, he made Wilmer Skeets Flores look uh, look fast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> compared to that, so you know, we saw Carlos Rodon. Um, he gave up five runs. He gave up the two home runs, and then. 
it appeared that he just kind of tweaked the hamstring um, and then was taken out. What did you hear after the game and how how concerned should Yankee fans be about Carlos Rodon and uh, and this latest um, potential injury? Well, we, we saw if you watched him pitch today, uh, you know, I think it was a 1-1 pitch to uh, Chaz McCormick where he kind of pulled up on his left leg afterward. Looked like he was trying to stretch it. He did throw another pitch after that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and that's when Boone came out with the trainer, you know, walked around a little bit, tried to stretch it, and then, and then threw two warm-up pitches after that. So at that point, you know, you were kind of wondering, you know, maybe it was a cramp or something. Mm-hmm. And, and Rodon said that afterwards that he maybe thought it was a cramp. And he said he actually felt fine uh, at that point. So I guess that's encouraging. He also said that he, he felt confident uh, that the MRI would be okay, uh, that he's supposed to have on Monday, and he didn't think this would be an IL situation. You know, we'll, we'll see how the Yankees feel about that. I mean, this is a guy that's had a history uh, of injury problems. They pulled him out of the game, you know, for precautionary reasons. You know, maybe that wasn't the worst thing based on the way the game had been going for him anyway uh, at that point. But, um, yeah, I mean, it both those things you mentioned. He, he hasn't pitched very well for them at all. Uh, you know, he's giving up home runs like crazy uh, to this point. I think it, it's been six in the past 16 innings or so uh, for him in eight out of 27. So that that's a rate that just can't, you know, that, that just can't continue. Um, and and it'll be interesting to see if they feel comfortable sending him out there. Maybe they can skip a turn with him. Um, but, I, you know, anytime it's a hamstring, uh, like that, and you have to come out of a game, that, that's not really something that the, a team feels comfortable just turning around and sending you right back out again, uh, especially the Yankees who've been a little bit concerned how they've handled injuries as of late. So the Yankees before the trade deadline did not know that Rizzo had uh, concussion issues, and they didn't necessarily know that Herman was going to be lost. But with what the Yankees knew, and, you know, Carlos Rodon wasn't pitching particularly well um, prior to the deadline, but with with the information they had, did they make the—is this the right strategy? Did they make the right call to essentially—they added a middle reliever. They basically stood pat at the deadline. Was that the right strategy? Well, I I, I think the one thing— um, that they wanted to do, uh, wound up getting off the, the, taken off the table with Bellinger. You know, I think that was really the guy that they targeted and, and the guy that was really going to be able to help them. Uh, and when he got taken off the table, I think that that kind of was a, made them reassess, uh, where they were going, what they didn't have really the first choice to do there. Um, beyond that, I just think Cashman, and he had said this, he said where they are in the standings, you know, didn't really give him a clear path of what they should do. You know, he didn't really see them as deserving of some kind of major move where he was going to sacrifice uh, more prospects. Uh, he was going to have to dig deep for that. Apparently, you know, teams weren't bowled over uh, by the ones he was ready to, uh, to move. And on the flip side of that, you know, he just didn't want to start breaking up the team. Uh, he didn't want to push to, to move some of the bullpen pieces, which, you know, he certainly could have got, you know, some players back for, 
you know, they have plenty of valuable bullpen pieces if they wanted to go that route. Maybe even a spare or two, considering Loisic is supposed to be coming back. Uh, you know, could they have moved Severino in kind of a change of scenery trade? You know, that could have been possible too. You know, a Glaber Torres too. But so I, I think with Cashman kind of stuck in the middle, different from the Mets, you know, I, I think the Yankees are of the mindset, listen, you know, we're going to have a second half uh, of full stadiums. This is a team that gets 38 to 42,000 people basically every home game at this point. Uh, we're in striking distance of getting to this third wild card. If we do get it, we're going to wind up facing the AL Central winner, which is going to, which is going to be uh, not exactly a huge first round, uh, wild card challenge there. And let's ride it out. You know, we have some guys that are getting healthier. Uh, so I, I think that was their stance. Um, we'll, we'll see how it pans out for them. Um, but I, I think Cashman just didn't really didn't deem this team worthy, you know, of, of much enhancement at this point. And I, I can't say I blame him. Talking to Dave Lennon from Newsday about the Yankees and how they handled the deadline. You mentioned the Mets and you also mentioned with the Yankees that some of the decision making being that. They get a lot of fans. A lot of people have paid for those tickets, and they'll stay the course. I've been getting a lot of questions from Mets fans who are, um, I would say Mets fans, the ones I talk to, are split. Some love the way the Mets handled the trade deadline and assessing where they're at and building for next year and beyond. And then there are others who say, well, um, they had a good record in July. They weren't that far out of it. And now here's this, um, you know, owner with a huge payroll and fans have bought tickets and, you know, the, he, he is essentially quitting on the season. How would you, how would you respond to those fans? Yeah, I, I understand the frustration uh, on that part. Um, it is risky <laughs> buying tickets to games for sure. You never know what team you're going to wind up seeing, you know, whether it's in May or in September. Um, I think the difference between the two teams uh, and what they were able to do uh, has to do with the owners. Uh, I mean, Steve Cohen took, you know, a very radical approach uh, and really sort of a... <laughs> Uh, revolutionary way in a way that we haven't seen uh, to pay off just huge amounts uh, on the contracts that he traded. Um, you know, and not just on the two pitchers either, even players like Escobar, you know, he ate, you know, tons of money in these contracts to move them and essentially buy, you know, top prospects in exchange. And where the team was <clears throat> and their disappointing performance and in the way they just never seemed capable of kind of kicking it into gear and, and getting into striking distance for the wild card, you know, made him see this as kind of a rare opportunity. You don't expect to be this bad of a team very often. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to take advantage of that opportunity uh, when you're that bad. You know, the Yankees aren't as bad and not as far out as the Mets were. They also didn't have an owner – that was going to eat money uh, like Cohen did. I mean, I'm sure Yankee, Yankee fans would have loved to pull the Steve Cohen approach with Stanton uh, and, and DJ LeMahieu, right. you know, to get those guys off the team. Uh, 
and try a reset, you know, and, and try this over again. But that wasn't going to happen with Hal. So that that's a big difference here. And with the Mets, like I said, the positioning they were in the standings, the owner who was ready to move on and pay a lot of money to do so, and recognizing what he hopes to be, you know, a very rare downturn and opportunity to restock the farm system, you know, really reshuffle, you know, the top 10 spots on their prospect list and improve that. Uh, he felt that was the, the need to do it. And, you know, you are going to see a very, uh, you're not going to see a good Mets team over these next two months. We've seen that since the trade deadline so far. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to be a tough sell for fans that are going to those games. I understand the frustration on that. And then there's the other half, you know, who are trying to look to a, to a brighter future and a bit of a reset here to try to be younger and a little bit more athletic going forward. How do you explain, I understand your point about that you're not going to see a very good Mets team between now and the end of the season. And certainly the pitching staff um, took a hit and, and some mm-hmm. of the, the depth on position players. But how do you explain Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonzo, um, you know, Brandon Nimmo that, and, you know, and now we're talking about a Francisco Alvarez that when you look around the diamond and Starling Marte coming back from injury, there are enough names here that when you look at this Mets lineup, shouldn't that, shouldn't these players be better? And shouldn't that be worthy of actually maybe not being horrendous between now and the end of the season? I I agree with you. In theory, you're right. Um, But in theory, Lori, we should have seen that team perform when it, when it counted, you know, I mean, that's, that's the baffling thing. And, and really I've gone down the list, like, like other people that they cover these teams and, and cover the Mets. And ask these players all the time, like, what happened? Right. You know, I mean, what, why, why didn't this team perform? And you get a lot of puzzled looks, uh, you know, and they really don't have answers uh, to what happened. You know, they, they just didn't play well together at the same time. You had stretches with Lindor that played well. You had some stretches with Pete when he played well, aside from a horrendous June. You know, Nimmo at times played well. Jeff McNeil, obviously, has been a very down year for him. Uh, Marte's been injured uh, for a lot of it. You know, guys like Beatty, you know, didn't really take off as you would hope a young prospect would. Um, Alvarez was great. So just they just didn't have the whole team playing well together at the same time. I, mean, I, I guess that's really the only way to look at it. Now, should these players be able to play like their baseball cards say into these next two months? Ideally, but without <laughs> anything to play, without anything to play for, Lori, yeah. you know I, I, that that that's tough to say. It doesn't yeah. excuse it. Doesn't excuse it. Yeah. You know, they're prof- they're professionals. They have a job to do. But the mental aspect to it, being yeah. out of the race, and basically seeing the front office essentially give up on them. Yes. You know, again, not a not an excuse, but. You know, they're they're human, too, and that does take a mental toll. Yeah. Now, look, they've disappointed, no doubt about it. Um, Final one before I let you go. What would you say to the Mets fans that were upset that with especially the trade of Verlander, that they 
and the comments made by Max Scherzer that while Epler and certainly Steve Cohen have talked about the team being competitive next year, you know, they may not be spending $345 million on payroll, but what would you say to Mets fans who are worried that the owner um, isn't going to make this team competitive or buy free agent pitchers or any of that in the offseason? Well, I mean, I'll start off by saying I really liked having Max Scherzer around. He was a good, <laughs> club, he was a good clubhouse guy and a really good guy to talk to. Very insightful and great for reporters. I do think he's a little given to hyperbole at times. <laughs> and given his situation, you know, you know, with the impression of, hey, you know, Scherzer, you know, wanted to go to a winner and, you know, didn't have a problem waiving his no trade clause and didn't mind, you know, jumping ship on the Mets. You know, I, I think there was, there could be some embellishment there saying, listen, they told me this team was in a rebuild. It's not going to be good until 20, it's not going to be good until 2025, 2026. You know, they, they have a lot of work to do. So he, you know, he got going, got some momentum, kind of just kept talking like that. Verlander wasn't quite as extreme <laughs> mm-hmm. when Verlander talked about mm-hmm. it. Verlander said, you know, yes, they told me it wasn't going to be the same approach that he took for this year when he went all in, you know, and had the $377 million payroll and went crazy in free agency. But, you know, Verlander said that he expects, you know, the team to be good, you know, with, with Diaz is coming back, you know, he mentioned, you know, he mentioned the core players that they have there that he believes is a good one. I also think that this is a classic case from Cohen and management types in this, you know, under promise and over deliver, mm-hmm. you know, they tried to go the high expectation route. Steve Cohen came in, you know, guns blazing, spent money like crazy, tried to create a free agent shortcut to the world series. I thought he was going to do it. You know, I'm not the only one either. You know, <laughs> a, a lot of us thought that this was going to wind up working bringing in, you know, two future Hall of Famers to anchor the rotation, uh, having Lindor here. You know, I, I think we, many of us thought, the great majority thought this was going to be able to be at the very least a playoff team and one that could go pretty deep into October. It, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, the window they thought they created with Verlander and Scherzer, once they moved Scherzer, that window was gone. And, and I felt at that point they had to go all in with this changing it. So plan A didn't work. They've now gone to plan B. I would find it very hard to believe based on Cohen's personality and the way he listens to fans and the way he wants this team to be going forward, that this is not going to be a mail it in team next year. You know, it's not going to look good over the next two months, but I I do think there are ways for, for Cohen to improve this team during the winter. You know, it's not going to be by spending $45 million on a pitcher. Uh, or two each, like he did in past years, 43 million. But I, I think there are ways to improve this team without doing it in that fashion. Um, so yeah, I, I think people, you know, stressed out and worried that you're not going to see a competitive baseball team or even a contending baseball team in Flushing, you know, until 2025, 20, 2026. You know, I, I think that would be a, little, a bit extreme at this point to start to start sweating that. Yeah, as Aaron Rodgers would say, 
relax. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I would agree with you on that, and I will be very surprised if Steve Cohen does not go out and buy two free agent pitchers in uh, the offseason to supplement this rotation. They'll add a little to the bullpen, and I, I think the key and what we'll see, Dave, is that they will get younger. I don't expect to see 35-plus pitchers. I think that's a little bit of a recalibration here um, from, you know, in terms of moving forward. But Dave Lennon from Newsday, baseball columnist, does a fantastic job. You should be following him in the paper and online and on social. Dave, appreciate the time. Well, Laura, I just want to say for the record that you're the one that told Mets fans to relax, not me. Those, fan, <laughs> those, 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 those fans have been through a lot. So I, I don't want. I, I don't want to tell them to chill. They, they can. They can be. It can be. You know, anxious and stressed out for a few more weeks as the season winds out. Eventually, eventually, I think they'll have a chance to chill and, and feel good about maybe the seasons to come. So. All right, so Dave might, be, Lennon, might be too soon. So Dave Lennon <laughs> says, um, "You be you, free to be you and me, and all that." And Lori says, "Relax, um, it'll be okay." Um, Dave, we'll catch up with you soon. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.